Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Anoush. I'm Alpha. And I'm Stephen. And on an emergency episode of the New Statesman podcast, we discuss Boris Johnson's position as a Tory MP defects to Labour and an ex-minister told him to go. So we're recording an emergency episode of the New Statesman podcast because it's such a dramatic day in politics already and it's only six minutes past two. PMQs was the big dramatic event of the day after the mood began turning from about yesterday afternoon-ish among Conservative MPs and there was lots of talk about a plot among some of the 2019 intake of Conservative MPs, particularly those representing red wall seats against the Prime Minister. Just minutes before PMQs, Christian Wakeford, who represents Bury South, a red wall seat, defected to the Labour Party and sat behind uh, Keir Starmer in the Commons for PMQs. Can I start by warmly welcoming the Honourable Member for Bury South to his new growth and to the Parliamentary Labour Party. Mr Speaker, like so many people up and down the country, he has concluded that the Prime Minister and the Conservative Party have shown themselves incapable of offering the leadership and government this country deserves, whereas the Labour Party stands ready to provide an alternative government that the country can be proud of. Mr Speaker, the Labour Party has changed, and so has the Conservative Party. And if that wasn't shattering enough, you then had David Davis, former Brexit secretary, veteran sort of Tory big beast, standing up to ask Boris Johnson a question. Like many on these benches, I spent weeks and months defending the Prime Minister uh, against often angry constituents. I reminded them of his success in delivering Brexit and on the vaccine and many other things. But I expect my leaders to shoulder the responsibility for the actions they take. Yesterday, he did the opposite of that. So I'll remind him of a quotation altogether too familiar to him of Leo Amory to Neville Chamberlain. You have sat there too long for all the good you have done. In the name of God, go. And that's a sort of quote that is most associated with Neville Chamberlain's downfall and, of course, the politician that Boris Johnson most likes to think he models himself on is Winston Churchill. So there was extra pain in that intervention there. Alva, you got hold of uh, Christian Wakeford's uh, resignation letter. What did it teach us about his reasoning? 
Yeah, first of all, I should say, Stephen and I, because this is, as you say, an emergency podcast, Stephen and I are both in Port Phyllis House, different corners of it. Um, it's quite noisy, so the, that's also where all the drama is happening. So if the sound quality is not as, as good, that is why. Yeah, so that happened 10 minutes before PMQs, and it's in just a sudden flurry. Labour managed to quite successfully keep a lid on that and hold it until right before PMQs to blindside Boris Johnson with it. Um, it's interesting, people, Christian Wakefield was elected in 2019 for Barry South, and I think it would be safe to say that he has never struck that many people as a natural conservative in terms of in some of his political values. Supposedly been in talks with Keir Starmer since before Christmas, uh, about potentially moving over. He hasn't been happy with things under Boris Johnson for quite a while. And as you say, in the in his resignation letter to Boris Johnson that we got a hold of right before PMQs and, you know, dashed to get up on the new six and website as quickly as humanly possible, <laughs> he, he talks about wrestling with his conscience for many months. But I think it, it's interesting because I'm, I'm sure he had help from the, the Labour team on drafting it, but it's really quite a positive case for Labour as well as a negative case against Boris Johnson. You know, he says, my decision is about much more than your leadership and the disgraceful way you've conducted yourself in recent weeks. He talks about how he believes in the power of politics to be a force for good, and so, so does Keir Starmer. And then Keir Starmer, interestingly, took the opportunity at Prime Minister's question. As he welcomed Christian Wakeford, he said, he said, Labour has changed, the Conservatives have too. Really trying to signal to those Red Wall voters that they're desperate to win back. Red Wall MPs are, are crossing the chamber, and so and so too should voters. I should also just add that um, the, 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 the straw that, that appears to have broken the camel's back is actually the way the whipping operation has been conducted on the Conservative side in recent days because various Tory MPs, especially the ones on really thin majorities and those red wall seats, are aware that there are going to be boundary changes. Um, so certain constituencies that currently exist will no longer exist, will be moved around. And so, there, you know, there is a possibility that people um, will not get a new seat at the next election if, if their party doesn't help them. And the Tory, like the 2019ers who were feeling rebellious yesterday, were being threatened by whips that they wouldn't be re-elected next time and wouldn't even necessarily get selected in a new seat. I think that it, it appears to be the case. Like my understanding is that Christian Wakeford was one of the people, you know, threatened in that way, and for him that was the last straw. That's so interesting because you could tell that some of those 2019ers who were outed in those briefings about who was plotting yesterday night and in in the paper, some of the papers today were really stung by by uh, what was being said about them. People calling them idiots and nobodies. I think Dehenna Davison, the the MP for Bishop Auckland, another 2019er, has said that she um, she's been a victim. Of a sort of fabricated Downing Street smear against her, suggesting she's one of the the ringleaders of the rebellion. So they haven't dealt with that. Although that's no surprise, we've spoken about poor party management by Downing Street on here before, particularly in terms of relationships with with the 2019 intake. I was just on Politics Live actually, and Andrew Bowie, Tory MP, was on with me, and he found out this news on air, and I felt quite sorry for him because he clearly didn't get the memo that Christian Wakeford perhaps wasn't the most like obvious Tory because he called him a solid conservative and then had to sit there and watch while he crossed the floor. So that was quite amusing. Something that I found interesting in the letter, which you 
got up online impressively fast, was that he described the Labour Party under Keir Starmer as back firmly in the centre of British politics. And it struck me that this defection, while being bad news symbolically for Boris Johnson, considering it's one of their red wallers that are seen as the heart of his campaign success um, and his success in building a new coalition of, of Conservative Party voters, it's also important uh, symbolically for the Labour Party, because not only is he describing Labour as back in the centre, but also he represents Bury South, which has the town of Prestwich in it, which is which has a high Jewish population. And I remember some council seats were lost from there in 2016 amid the anti-Semitism rows in the Labour Party under Jeremy Corbyn then. So it almost represents a new era for Labour under Starmer too. Stephen, what did you make of Christian Wakeford's um, defection? And then we'll move on to discussing David Davis. Well, you're, you're precisely right about particular significance. In the, the Yeah, so one of Keir Starmer's big personal projects, one of the, set, the tests he set himself, is to re-establish Labour's bona fides in the British Jewish community and mm. to get its house in order in terms of how it handles and is seen to handle complaints of anti-Semitism within the Labour Party. Christian Wakeford is, you know, as that is, was, was until his defection, the co-chair of the all-parliamentary group on British Jews. APGs prefer to have different people from different parties as heads of it, so that may now change. But, you know, it's someone who is, is certainly seen by lots of communal org- organisations as a reliable um, ally on a variety of of issues and just as Keir Starmer was very gratified to have to be able to welcome Louise Elman back this is I think exactly the type of defection because of his particular political concern about tackling that issue so it will feel like a boost for him ironically I think it is also a short-term boost for Boris Johnson for the simple reason that um it makes it easier in terms of the, okay, circle the wagons, don't give the other lot the victory they want. Mm. If it's in their interest to force him out, that, you know, think it through that, that that must therefore logically mean and it's in our interest to keep him. Now, I don't mm. actually think that argument is necessarily true, but uh, but if you are someone trying to persuade a Conservative MP, yeah, Conservative MP who's nervous or MP with a small majority or a Conservative MP who first won their seat in 2010 or 2015, because I think one of the things people often forget about the Conservative Parliamentary Party is that... Most Conservative MPs won their seats from the other side because they were coming from so far back, even in 2005. So you, you have a much more, I would say, febrile parliamentary party than than Labour, because even though all MPs, particularly on election day, get nervous about their seats, loads of them are do sit from seats which, in living memory, have been occupied by someone else. So just as a certain type of Labour MP, when the Lib Dems look like they might be reviving, goes, oh, I'm not waking up in 2005 again. The Conservatives in general, like, it can go so badly wrong, we've got to get in touch. But I think it briefly will help Boris Johnson to do the sort of circle the wagons, don't let them in. So it, it weirdly does strengthen both of them in the short term, I think. Although, of course, I'd like to add the space-saving disclaimer, Boris Johnson's position has so many long-term factors pulling against it then mm. even if he yeah it could be that even his slightly strengthened position is not strong enough to survive the next fortnight you could also i think you can see that in the chamber of pmqs today that compared with last week they the mps were rallying around him a little bit more it doesn't really change the fundamentals that they, they, they all seem to be privately in agreement that he won't be able to lead them into the next election but I think it was palpably different to last week, that they were noisier in his defence. And I think it's, as Stephen says, precisely because 
they see Labour benefiting from this defection and none of them want that. They maybe don't want Boris Johnson leading them anymore, but they certainly don't want Labour gaining from this. So there was a, you, you could feel that the temporary boost to Boris Johnson, I think, at PMGs today, even though Keir Starmer is just walking past, waving. Yeah, people are people Italian, well done. Um, but <laughs> are you getting it live? People, I don't know how people do this on live TV because now I'm distracted by Keir Starmer at the table beside me. But, Get him on. Um, <laughs> he's a bit too far away. David Davis had clearly planned his question before the Christian Wakeford revelation, but the the rest of the mood that was more spontaneous, I think there was just this kind of, yeah, this sort of feeling of them rallying temporarily. And then also afterwards, I think so many MPs were annoyed, not so many, but some MPs were annoyed at this feeling of, David Davis kicking Boris Johnson while he was down. There was a bit of a confrontation in the tea room after PMQs where Conservative MP Leo Doherty told David Davis, he called him a traitor in front of a crowd in the tea room. So I think that, I think, you know, there are strains beginning to show like Conservative MPs not happy with Boris Johnson, but also feeling really uncomfortable with how this is making their party look and, and the wins for Keir Starmer. If you've been enjoying our podcast and want to find out more about what we think and some of our colleagues too, then why not subscribe to The New Statesman? You can get 12 weeks for £12. Go to newstatesman.com forward slash subscribe 12. From The New Statesman's World Review comes Battle for the Soul of America, a three-part series that examines the first year of Joe Biden's presidency. We did it. We did it, Joe. You're going to be the next president of the United States. (laughs) I'm your host, Emily Tampkin, and I'll be joined by expert guests to examine how President Biden's core campaign pledges have held up, specifically foreign policy. We've seen a huge change of tone and rhetoric in the relation between the United States and Europe. Uh, The administration does not call the EU a foe. Immigration. I think a lot of people who were opposing Trump's policies, you know, most obviously the separation of the children at the border, I think may also find it very uncomfortable that they might be complicit in electing someone who is now keeping those policies in place. And voting rights. Just search for World Review on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi. 
I found really interesting about David Davis's uh, intervention is that afterwards, when he was interviewed about why he'd called for Boris Johnson to go, he one of the reasons he gave was the the interview that Johnson gave yesterday, saying that he didn't realise that that the event that no one had told him that the, that what he was going to would be breaking the rules. And I think that suggestion has changed the minds of quite a few people. I mean, yesterday it did feel like the mood had shifted. One MP that I heard from said that he was convinced that they'd have enough letters in by the end of today, for example. And while that probably won't be true, it suggests that there was real momentum yesterday against Boris Johnson because of that ridiculous excuse that he came out with that Keir Starmer also mentioned in the Commons to much laughter as well. Do you think those comments were a sort of, have been quite decisive? Oh yeah, absolutely. To lift the lid behind my creative process, was doing my column calls on over the weekend and on Monday in order to write it up on Tuesday morning. And one of the MPs who basically said he needs to go, what, what I would have said was the majority opinion of the median Tory MP, you know, based on the sole sample of phone calls, when I sat down to write, which was, he needs to go, he can't go yet because I have, yeah, and then deletes are applicable. I have doubts about the various candidates. I don't think it's the right time. I think you let him absorb all of this flack and the local elections are a uh, sort of organic and less painful uh, endpoint for the party as a whole. A group of people in that group, including, so one of them about slightly after our print deadline, texted me saying, you're saying, they, they said, they said, out of interest, when do you go to print? And I said, oh, we have. And they said, would you say then what I said to you was a dominant part of what I what you wrote? And I said, well, you reflected the majority opinion of people I called. And they said, yeah, I think your column's going to age really badly. I'm really sorry. And I think there was huge <laughs> when people saw that interview of going, OK, you know, the, we, we just need to get shot now. And and that, I think, has been uh, a huge in the last couple of, yeah, in, in the last 24 hours has just been that reaction and how badly it's landed. The other reason why that damaged Boris Johnson is I, it overshadowed what was actually an astonishingly bad interview in which he walked out, but also it wasn't really clear to me why he thought doing this interview was a good idea. And just as, you know, it was literally, just as Tory MPs were texting me going, this shows why we need to wait and see. I'm not sure if he's, he's quite ready to do it yet. We need to like, yeah, we can't just leap to something and then discover then what we leap to is not an upgrade. And then you literally had some of the same people who were WhatsApping me that message, seeing the Boris interview and going, okay, yeah, forget I said that. This is going to damage the party. And I think it's a, there, it's a sort of, one of the reasons why it's so hard to tell what, exactly what will happen next is there's broad agreement among MPs about what their problems are. Broad agreement and fixing the problem comes with quite a hefty cost. And no, I don't think anyone can even individually quite work out where they're going to come down in terms of actually addressing and tackling any of those costs. Yes. And also, it does come down to whether or not the longer he stays, the longer he does damage to the actual party brand, which is something we spoke about with Ben Walker in the last episode. Someone said to me that, as the MP said to me, it could become irreparable, the damage that's done to the brand. So I suppose there is some incentive to move faster than to wait. But we'll see what happens. I know you both have to get back to work and to all the excitement. So uh, I won't keep you any longer. But thanks for joining us on, on an emergency recording. A pleasure. Laters. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Anusha Kellyan, and my colleagues, Alva Ray and Stephen Bush. We're produced by Adrian Bradley and May Robson, and our music is Devil with the Devil, licensed under Creative Commons. Thanks so much for listening.